Yeah, I just wanna flex, headed for success. I just bought a passport, mini in the jets. I just got the bag, dog, running up a check. Cause I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna flex, headed for success. I just bought a passport, mini in the jets. I just got a bag, dog, running up a check. Cause I just wanna, 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 What's going on, everybody? How we doing this week? Been a couple weeks since we've been doing this, but we're back at it. Missed quite a bit, of course. NFL is uh, down to the home stretch now. We got uh, all the playoff races are uh, shaping up. Um, some teams already uh, putting themselves out there as the division winner. You know, you got teams like the Ravens, the ever uh, ever present Patriots at the top of their division. The Niners still got a lot of competition. Um, the Saints, I think, run away. But um, we're going to get into all the contenders this week and get everybody back up to date with uh, the, the NFL schedule. Maybe talk a little bit of baseball, free agency started in baseball. Um, maybe not get into that this episode, but I'd like to. Uh, some big guys on the market. Uh, baseball, not, not doing great with marketing. You know, every other sport, it's absolute pandemonium when free agency starts. I don't know if you guys knew, but it took me two re- weeks to realize before MLB free agency it starts. And um, NBA, you know, it's not Christmas yet, so they say that's the, the unofficial start to the NBA season. So we'll definitely be getting more into that when we get there. But it's been a great season so far. The Lakers look, you know, better than we could have expected. Uh, two wins so far, or two losses, I should say, so far. They're looking like a, the dominant team that, uh, the, you know, they had hoped to be. Um you got the Clippers as the other L.A. team, and they, they're they deep as hell. Um, and, of course, you have Kawhi and PG. Once they start to gel together, um, you know, they both are going to miss a lot of games for, you know, the load management type stuff. But as that starts to develop, that's going to be, you know, the L.A. on L.A. battle right into the playoffs. Seems like it's going to be uh, uh, one for the ages, hopefully at least. And hockey, of course. My Flyers um, having quite the month of November, broke the record, franchise record for points. Um, we've had some madness around the league with Mike Babcock, considered one of, you know, for those of you who don't follow hockey, he's kind of, you know, he's not Bill Belichick, but he's maybe like a Pete Carroll. And um, he was brought into Toronto, which is, you know, the, one of the most savage fan bases in hockey, if not the most crazy fan base in hockey. Did a couple years. He's got the talent now. They gave him like a year. Couldn't, couldn't do it. And he's out. Um, following his ousting, there were some stories that came out about his conduct that uh, a lot of people um, found a bit wavery. Um, nothing super terrible. He uh, was putting some players in very difficult situations with their teammates as far as asking them to rank. He asked a, a rookie to rank um, Mitch Marner, who's you know now a star of the team. He asked him to rank all of his teammates in order of like hard work ethic. And he did. And the coach decided his idea would be to take all that, that list and read it in front of the whole team with Mitch Marner present and tell them that this is Mitch's list. Uh, something that could totally be traumatizing for a, a young player. But, you know, it's uh, everyone. all indications are that everyone on the team was much more professional about it than Mike Babcock was, and they moved right past that as a team. Um, I'm sure they're all glad knowing that, that uh, they have a little bit of a different perspective. I'm blanking on who their head coach is. 
right now, but I know Dave Haxtall, former Flyers coach, is still on the bench for them. He survived that firing somehow. So I don't expect things will get much better with him on the bench. Um, and then following those allegations, more serious allegations came out against current Calgary coach Bill Peters from years ago. Various things. I don't want to get too much into it because I'm kind of just skimming through the leagues right now. But um, hockey's kind of a sport. We hear a lot about uh, stuff in football of, you know, uh, older guys and coaches and stuff telling you just put your head down and keep playing, screw the injury and stuff. Um, stuff like that, you know, just get it right, screaming at you and everything. You see that in football. And, I mean, there's definitely a place for that. You know, Nick Saban has done that while uh, it seems to be caring for his players quite a bit uh, as, you know, a huge hard ass. But this Bill Pierce situation involved, yeah, some physical abuse, um, a little bit of racial abuse. So um, as these stories came out in the NFL, NHL investigated, he was fired. And um, I don't know, it's kind of just, uh, that, that was the news in hockey for a while, and I think some of that stuff's kind of important because uh, it's, it's a good thing to see stuff like that changing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there's no reason you can't still be a hard-ass without, you know, and still act like a, you know, a civilized person. I'd like to think, you know, Bill Belichick does that and uh, Nick Saban does that. Um, there are guys, plenty of guys that don't and act like insane people, children, but um, I do think there's a line where it needs to be uh, farther on the side of uh, protecting players. Um, so let's let's get past that stuff. I just wanted to touch on touch on all the sports around. Might might try to come back to it. Uh, might do another interview with Jacob. I'm thinking next week for uh, the Flyers because you got We got to get more talk about them, and uh, it's easier to, easier to bounce that off somebody with with the Flyers. It's a lot of fun. But to get into the uh, the meat the meat of the the show. NFL time. Um, pretty crazy week. I'm going to start at home, getting a little bit of Phillies talk to start, Philadelphia talk to start off. Um, I'm abstaining from bringing up the Phillies because there's literally, I would just be yelling about them not doing anything. So I'll, uh, I'll ignore that and get right into my Eagles anger. So let's just talk about the joke that is the NFC East. You know, two years ago, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. The Giants look like they found a third round draft pick. And having Ezekiel Elliott, we're going to be a menace of a division for the next decade or five years, maybe. Obviously, that was ridiculous of us to think. Um, the division is in a conference that has been outstanding. Being led, the other division leaders being the ten and two Saints, the nine and three Packers, the ten and two Seahawks, tied with the ten and two Niners in the West. And then you got the six and six Cowboys, just one game above the five and seven Eagles. And let me tell you guys right now, if you're betting and you want to make some, and now if you got five dollars, you're thinking, let's let's throw five dollars on something ridiculous. I put five dollars on the uh, the Flyers to win the Stanley Cup, so I'm right in the boat. Here's your, here's your bet for this week: Redskins plus seventy five thousand on uh, to win the division. Now, you might be thinking, you know, it's ridiculous. What are you talking about? The Cowboys and the Eagles are actively trying to lose this division. It is baffling to watch both of these teams play. The Redskins are only two games behind the Eagles, three games behind the Cowboys. If they were to beat the Eagles in their last game and both the Cowboys and Eagles were to spiral out and lose the rest of their games, that would give the Redskins the tiebreakers. 
end head-to-head wins against all of those teams, um, sp- splitting the season series. Um, but considering most of the division games still need to be played in these last three weeks, it's totally possible. It's ridiculous, but hey, it's plus 75,000 to win the division. So if you're thinking of doing something crazy this week, betting-wise, that, that's my call for you. Um, they're three and nine, but the, divi- the two division leaders only have five and six wins. And the f- team with five wins has the tiebreaker right now and a head-to-head matchup. So um, they're really two and a half games behind, which is terribly sad. But uh, if you're looking to you know make some big money in a pinch, may- maybe something you want to think about. But to get to the Eagles, um, I said to my, my family, I knew the Eagles were screwed this week. This, I mean, other than the fact that they were uh, letting up uh, enormous amounts of points to the Dolphins already. When they let a guy named The Intern score a touchdown. What kind of terrible nickname is The Intern? I was absolutely demoralized when I heard a guy who looked like um, he was 5'4 and 155 pounds named The Intern was scoring on us. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think it might have just been time to pack it in right when that happened. But to to break down the, the team a little bit, um, we'll start on the defensive end. Uh, Jalen Mills, I, I don't uh, – he was in position one or two times where to really make a great play. And then what, what he seems to be doing is so, – so you go for the ball or you go for the – to defend the play. What he seems to be doing is is going for the ball – and then making no effort to go for the ball, which is essentially playing no defense whatsoever. If you're going to go for the ball, you have to at least jump and break up the play when you don't think you can get it. Jalen Mills seems to be playing the ball and then not making any effort for it. There were multiple occasions where he turned around to go for the ball, which you know is totally fine. That's one of two options how you're supposed to go about it. And it just floats right over his head, right into the receiver's hands, with him, you know, still running back like he's trying to get make the catch. Like, dude, you gotta at least jump. Make it look like you're trying to do something. They made he made no no effort on uh, multiple plays where he could have, you know, tried to make a play. He didn't jump up. Um, and it just looks optics wise, it looks terrible. He he was probably beat either way, so it doesn't really matter. But you're really just gonna run behind the guy like you're trying to catch it, not be in the right position, not make a jump on the pole. I just feel like, uh, I mean, it's not like we have any other options. It's not like I'm saying anything new with the cornerbacks, but Jesus, uh, something needs to be done. Ronald Darby is useless. Uh, He's worse than Jalen Mills at this point. There were, I mean, when he bounced off that guy, I think it was two weeks ago, that was uh, was good enough for me. Uh, He, uh, I don't know what happened to him. I mean, Sidney Jones is a bust also on that side. Um, Not that he played much, but. The cornerbacks are a disaster, and um, I, I saw some tweets this morning. I'll give credit. I just got to find them in a second about, you know, I really don't even need to find them. Just our, our wide receivers and cornerback drafts over the the last 10 years, the highlight, literally 10 years, the whole decade. The best cornerback is Jalen Mills that we've drafted, and the best wide receiver, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm scared to even go back and look at the tweets, honestly, but it wasn't good. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I guess, if that was in the last 10 years, although it probably wasn't. Um, and just kind of – also, do you guys remember Malik Jackson's on this defensive line? He was supposed to be our other defensive tackle. Man, would that have helped. I mean, not that the, the D-line has been the, the troublesome spot, but but honestly, uh, he was a beast. Hopefully he'll I, – I don't know what the contract situation with his 
I believe he got a lot of guaranteed money, though, so he should be back next year. Um, so, I mean, looking forward to that. I, I do have some notes in here kind of just looking forward. I got some off-season notes. Um, I looked at a, my, my first mock draft of the year, so get ready for that, guys. Um, you know how everybody loves the mock drafts. But uh, you got to go for wide receiver. I get the cornerbacks are just as uh, just as uh, needed as wide receivers right now, but I just think that um, you got to help Wentz. And uh, I know people probably don't want to hear my any Wentz defending right now, but uh, as bad as the defense is, you have a system built to run that through the defensive line, and. You know, you can win some games like that, and it is an offensive league, and obviously they need to make some move for a cornerback. But in my opinion, the absolute best, biggest need in on the team right now is to get a wide receiver, go out and draft one. Um, and the, the mock I looked at today had the Eagles drafting 11th or 12th, I believe, and taking uh, the wide receiver out of Alabama, who I'm blanking on right now. Uh, his, his name was Henry, Henry Ruggs. That's what it was. Um so, yeah, I think they got to go after him, and I, I got the tweet here now. It's uh, Riley Cooper, Marvin McNutt, Jordan Matthews, Josh Huff, Nelson Aguilar, Sheldon Gibson, Mac Hollins, and J.J. Arcea-Whiteside, or Sega-Whiteside. Those are our last 10 years of um, wide receiver draft picks. And uh, Aguilar was a first-rounder, and J.J. Arcea-Whiteside was a second-rounder. Jordan Matthews was a second-rounder. Those are high picks, high picks that we really have not seen pan out. I mean... Jordan Matthews we had a good run with, but, um, you know, he is not old. People think he's uh, he's not old. He's like 27, and uh, he's been out of the league for the most part. Um, not even other teams looking for him. And, uh, you know, we, we know the story of Matt Collins recently out. Sheldon Gibson's survived, I think, at least maybe on the practice squad uh, somewhere, although he may have been cut early this season. And we... we the, I, I'd like to say the jury's still out on J.J. Arceo-Whiteside, but he looks like nothing special at all. Uh, I don't want to say he's bad because he hasn't had super opportunities because, you know, they keep putting uh, Matt Collins out there. But I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just atrocious. I, I'd like to see them go after just the best wide receiver guy in the uh, candidate in the draft. Um, and then you got to make a move for the cornerback. I don't know how that market will – the cornerback market was very shook up this, this during this season, you know. So that will probably, uh, I would think, limit the number of cornerbacks really on the market and the trade market uh, coming up because, you know, you saw uh, Marcus Peters moved already. You saw Jalen Ramsey moved already. Minka Fitzpatrick is a uh, – Safety, but that type of, you know, D backfield guys, those are three studs that were moved this season that we didn't make or that the, the Eagles didn't make a move for. And I think, uh, you know, obviously we know that bit them in the ass, but uh, it may also, you know, bite them in the ass as far as being able to get somebody this season outside of the draft. Because if uh, one of these positions we can't take a first round draft pick with, and that leaves the other one very vulnerable because especially with our train record of picking these guys um it's not a second round pick I mean a first round pick for god's sake Nelson Aguilar that's not even guaranteed but uh I don't really trust Harry Roseman to go pick get a late round cornerback or a wide receiver for us honestly at this point 
I think uh, Howie's forte is clearly, listen, I love Howie. I think he's incredible at what he does. He's maybe the best at what he does. But what he does is not draft evaluation. What he does is free agents um, moving money in a way that uh, is apparently some sort of secret formula that no one else knows how to do. Um, And I do truly think, you know, he's the best money GM probably in the league. But that only works when you're trying to fit good players on your team. If you don't have the good players to fit on your team, then what the hell use is that? So Howie needs to figure out what they're going to do there. Um, as far as outside of that, uh, I personally am cool with keeping Peterson, but uh, I, I, I'm in favor of keeping Peterson, I should say. But uh, pretty much everybody else I'm cool with going. You need to get rid of Frank. or you need to get, Frank Reck was the, uh, the predecessor. You need to get rid of Mike Rowe as this offensive coordinator. It was kind of a joke they ever made him the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, even people within here were talking Deuce Staley over him, and they went Mike Rowe. Uh, not that that wasn't just uh, some, you know, nostalgia of Deuce Staley being on the field. But they need to bring in an outside candidate for that position. And that, as far as I'm concerned, is, uh, you know, uh, that has to be done. There is no if ands, or buts about this. Mike Rowe needs to be fired. Uh, I would have been fired with him getting fine with him getting fired already during the season, even though we're still in it. But that needs to be, you know, day one of the offseason. He's gone. We're looking for him. just try to try to desperately get one of these former uh, offensive coaches. And um, on the defensive side, I mean, it's tough to I, I don't I don't know if you can go, uh, you know. Fire both of your coordinators if you want to get rid of shorts. Um, Ron Rivera is a recently fired guy. I, I find it hard to believe someone's not going to give him another coach head coaching job. But uh, if you're not, um, if they're not, he was a uh, a guy who coached under Jimmy Johnson. Um, you know, he's the defensive uh, godfather of Philadelphia, unless you want to count Buddy Ryan. Um, everybody loves Jimmy Johnson. Um, so somebody under him, you know, a defensive-minded guy, if, if he doesn't get a head coaching job, which, as I said, I find that very unlikely. But, you, I mean, you have you have to fire Schwartz's. Um, it's something I've talked about before. The the system um, that Schwartz has built, he's very. It's a very uh, unique system, and the personnel is built for that system. And I, I've always kind of stressed that as a way you kind of hang in with him, um, you know, until until you absolutely need to. And it's 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 I think getting to that point because as much as They've built this system. They they have good players on the defense and nobody in the backfield, defensive backfield. So it's not like you're shaking the team up too much. You have a stud defensive line, which works anyway. Um, the linebackers, you, you, they've never treated it with any attentiveness. So I think it's it's damn near the time to, to, to move on from Schwartz. And I think you have to move on from Rowe. And if your argument from for not moving on with Schwartz is you don't want to switch the entire coaching staff, I get it, but I don't know why not. Um, yeah, I think that's all we're going to do about the Eagles. The uh, Brandon Brooks's whole story. Um, I was gonna. I haven't done the podcast in a couple of weeks, so I missed all the the heart of that again. But uh, mad respect to Brandon Brooks and everything about that. For those of you who don't know, he missed. Um, two weeks ago for against the uh, Seahawks 
because of anxiety problems. It's something he's dealt with in the past. Uh, he's he seems like you know a great guy, and he's very open about his stuff, which I think is you know really important. We all either deal with or know people that you know really struggle with that stuff. So it's it's pretty crazy to see you know a big three hundred fifty pound offensive lineman who you know from the outside we all think these guys aren't really bothered by anything. They're somewhat superhuman. Uh, it's 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 very cool to see uh, him come out and. Uh, talk about his problems with all that stuff and you know get back to it and it, it's like it was it was it was simple things that got him too you know nothing that couldn't get you know me or you with the anxiety you know his best friend lane johnson wasn't coming to work and he relied on his best friend when his best friend wasn't there it, it started to and i'm not saying this in a bad way too it started to get in his head and He's had these problems before, and that combined with how the season's going, combined with his brand new big contract, that's stuff that all of us can deal with, you know, expectations at work and uh, missing the people you're expecting to help out at work and stuff can happen to anybody. So it's definitely something that uh, was really cool, Uh, didn't help or hurt the Eagles. I mean, it probably hurt them, but that's a personal business that needs to be dealt with. So I just wanted wanted to touch on that. I think it's definitely pretty uh important and and pretty cool um but on that note let's move on let's hit the cowboys cowboys got the bears this week with one game in hand on the eagles yes that's right one of these teams has to make the playoffs unless it's the redskins at plus seventy five thousand. um but they got the bears this week they have one game in hand on the eagles but um, the Eagles have the tiebreaker, so end a head-to-head matchup. So whoever wins that Week 16 game, as long as these teams keep either winning or um, being absolutely terrible at the same level, which seems much more likely, we the Eagles have uh, the Giants twice, the Redskins, and the Cowboys. The Cowboys have the Bears, the Eagles, the Rams, and the Redskins. So they have a little bit of a tougher schedule. Um, a game in hand, a win in hand, I should say. But we have the, the Eagles have the tiebreaker. I really need to stop saying we. Um, I hate that. I hate when other people do it too. Uh, so, on uh, just to get into some more specifics with the, the, the Cowboys, just on their bigger outlook. Um, I mean, the Jason Garrett story has been the biggest as far as coaching stories in the uh, in the league so far. Um, guys, you know, Ron Rivera was not an expected firing. Um, I'm sure Freddie Kitchens will go. But Jerry Jones is the guy that uh, may, may be past the hot seat, maybe uh, a dead man walking, a lame duck coach. Uh, Jerry Jones was quoted as saying, Jason Garrett will be an NFL coach next year. That <laughs> sounds terrible. That is something you say when you don't want to give any information to a person you care about. <laughs> Jason Garrett will be an NFL coach next year. That means nothing. Jason Garrett will be an NFL head co- or not head coach, will be an NFL coach next year. Of course he'll be a head coach or a, oh, I keep saying of course he'll be a coach next year. That goes without saying unless he doesn't want to. There are special teams coaches that are fresh out of, you know, not special teams coaches, but special teams. Like, he's going to be on a staff next year. He's been a head coach in the NFL for a decade. But the thought of it, it was very a very curved statement by Jerry Jones. And uh, it kind of indicates he's, you know, that, that that's it. Um, it can only be 
better for the uh, the thing about that position is you have to find a coach that not only you think can take over the biggest spotlight in football can also is also which you know being the head coach of the Cowboys historically previously to Jason Garrett you know when you go back and you look at Jimmy Johnson guys like that they had egos they were very personality driven guys who generally you know don't like to take orders and that's the kind of guy you want as the face of your franchise in a managerial position. The problem with that is the face of the franchise in the front office is not the head coach for the Cowboys, and it never will be until Jerry Jones leaves us. Jerry Jones is the face of the Cowboys. So you need to find a coach that has the balls, not the balls, I'm sure there are plenty of coaches who will take the job, but has the, has the skill and has the options, because anybody the, the Cowboys are going out after probably has their pick of any team to go because you know as shitty as the cowboys are they still are the richest and probably most powerful as far as the league office team in the league being that jerry jones is the uh, shadow you know commissioner of this league so you got to find a coach that one has the personality to tell to to block out the noise of the biggest sports team maybe in the country get his players in check after playing under Jason Garrett, who, you know, was not any type of authoritarian for, like, the better part of a decade. And you have to find somebody who has those strong alpha male or alpha person personalities, and they also have to be willing to submit to Jerry Jones's every word. So, you know, you hear Lincoln Riley. Is Lincoln Riley going to take Jerry Jones's bullshit? That's a big, that's a big question, because... He can probably, you know, he could take most of these jobs for these worst teams with quarterbacks. You know, Sam Darnold has um, some upside to him, even though the Jets don't. That's not as, you know, attractive a position as the Cowboys. But when you take a step back and you think, well, wait, how much, how much control am I going to have then if I come work for you at the Cowboys? And, you know, Jerry Jones is not only the, the face, the, the guy who does the media stuff, but he is the actual GM. He picks the players, and uh, I, I, I am positive Jason Garrett has almost no say in that. I don't know another coach of Lincoln Riley's stature or, you know, maybe Ron Rivera who's going to be cool with that because you come up, a guy like Lincoln Riley, especially coming up to the NFL, making that jump, you're putting your name on that team. What that team does is your next job resume because even if you won four Super Bowls, you're going to get fired. That's just how football works. Are you really going to put your name on a team that you don't have any control over whatsoever? You know you're getting uh, vetoed on every decision. Um, I think I think, and, and I do caveat this with saying Jerry Jones is you know the, one of the richest owners in football, and he runs the league more or less. He will he can get what he wants, and you know money is more important than anything, and he has the most of it. But I think it's something to think about because. It's just, I I would not want to have, if I had my pick of, I have to look at who's going to be up this at the end of this year, who's going to get fired other than, you know, the Jets and the Browns. But, I mean, I'd rather go to Carolina. Carolina has great new ownership. In my opinion, we're going to get to Carolina in a second. Um, I wouldn't trade Cam. I, you know, I'd rather have Cam than, I'd ra- than Dak, even though he's a little older. It's just 
It's a lot going on. So we'll see. They have to fire Jerry, or they have to fire Jason, though. That that that's quite a disaster. And one other thing, Dak still due for his contract, still has not been re-signed. And while the season seems terrible, the Cowboys passing offense is the number one passing offense in football, and Dak has the number one passing yards in football. That doesn't matter if you're not winning, but it still is an argument to be made for Dak doing it. On the offensive side, not getting much defensive help. Um, you know, Zeke has been Zeke, but obviously not productive. And Dak's still doing it in the pass game. Um, I'm sure, you know, those numbers are deceiving, but it's something to think about. You know, it's going to be the first thing Dak brings up when they sit down at that negotiating table. We sucked, and I still had the number one passing offense in football. So... You know, we thought he was going to get paid like crazy a couple weeks into the season when they were playing great. You know, he, they still got to make that decision. And, uh, I mean, are they gonna really going to start over? Maybe this new – maybe they decide to tear it down. But the other option of that is, you know, Jerry Jones, this is a – I don't like to even say this, but he's an old dude. He's really old. I don't know how old, but he's really old. He loves football more than anything in his life, clearly. He wants another championship before he dies. Is it realistic to think you're trading away Dak, firing Jason Garrett? Zeke will be burnt by the time you have another team again. You know, running backs last five years tops, unless you're Frank Gore. Does does Jerry Jones really want to concede that he's never going to, you know, see another championship at his at his helm? I I don't think a guy with an ego like that is going to go for that. So his, in my opinion. I'm saying it like he's about to die, but he's an old guy. It takes a long time to rebuild a football team generally. You know, five or six years. Does he want to wait that long? I, I don't know. I think that uh, it's it's a lot going on there. But um, as I said, Redskins plus 75,000. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to the Panthers. That was long enough for, uh, for the NFC East, the putrid NFC East. Um, Ron Rivera getting fired. Where does this leave Cam? They're five and seven right now after, you know, mostly Kyle Allen games. He looked like he was legit. Still looks all right, but um, you know, I would uh, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not too close to this situation, so I don't know if you know it's been very clear that one of these two parties, as in the Panthers as an organization, or Ron Rivera, maybe one of them was pro Cam and one of them wasn't. Um, but. As far as I'm concerned, it would be such a mistake to trade Cam Newton. I, I, I really think that you you can bring somebody in to run the right offense for him. Not that he is Lamar Jackson or even that same type of player, but uh, not not. It's just uh, let's say uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. He has been been in you know uh, supremely less talented at least so far. Maybe not less talented, but you know, less uh, groomed as Cam Newton has been uh, in a good way. I'm saying that totally positive. Look what Josh Allen has been able to do this season. They're 9-3, and three, and um, he's been able to use his mobility as an absolute weapon without relying on it. And I think that if you bring in the right offensive coordinator or coach for Cam Newton, he's going to be able to he's going to be able to get back to where he was maybe not you know the mvp season where he was you know throwing four touchdowns a game but he can get back to that top top end talent in my opinion and uh lead a team back to you know deep into the playoffs i absolutely believe that and you know while Kyle Allen may may that may be possible 
we have a lot less evidence to go on of that. And I, I just, I don't think you can get rid of a guy like Cam Newton. I, I just don't. I, uh, I don't know what the feeling is in Carolina. I'll definitely have to, you know, maybe tune into some Carolina sports talk radio this week and check it out because uh, I, I'm very curious to hear what the people are saying down there. You know, I'm sure if it's anything like Philadelphia, they all want Cam gone because we always want whoever's here gone. But I, I really just don't think you can give up on a guy with that level of that level of talent and potential. And it's not like you know, he just lost it all. It's just he, he hasn't been in the. They haven't put him in the right position. He hasn't looked good. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I uh, I'm I'm optimistic that they can get back. I really like Cam, and you know, you got McCaffrey. But uh, yeah, that's tough for sure. With uh, such a such a fall off after uh, after that Super Bowl appearance for them, but um, you know, I really like Ron Rivera. As I said, he would be a guy I would love to see come in and be our defensive coordinator uh, for Jim Schwartz. I don't see that happening. I see more than likely him getting another head coaching job because I do think he's good. Um, but he'll he'll be employed within within weeks of the season ending. All right, so let's talk about the 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 best division in football. Mm, I think so. I have to I have to I have to curb that statement before I go back and check. Probably the best division in football. All right, I'm gonna say it. it's the best division in football, the uh, NFC West, and that's uh, the Seahawks and the 49ers, both ten and two, both looking like you know the best, arguably the best team in the league. Um, the 49ers are so all around good. Um, they have the second to in, they're the they're the second in total offense, and um, second in total defense also behind only the Patriots. And uh, the run defense has been you know their sketchiest part of their team, and they've kind of you know Lamar Jackson went off, but well he had 171 yards. The team did rushing, um, not not Lamar Jackson, but relatively I think that's good they've been giving up over 100 yards of rushing yards a game nothing too crazy but it's been their weakest element and uh that'll be something we have to watch um but they got one more against the the Seahawks I mean both these teams are going to make the playoffs the the division battle is going to be a, a great I think they play each other for at the last on the last game of the season let's see yeah they do on uh December 29th so the Seahawks got the Rams, Panthers, uh, Cards, and then let's see, the Niners got Saints, Falcons, Rams, Seahawks. So looks like the big, the big tough spot right now is 49ers got to beat the Saints next week, and uh, then the division will come down to that last week game because I don't see the Seahawks losing to any of those three teams. Um, the Rams are a division opponent that they both play throughout. So I think that, you know, you never know with division opponents. Those games are always extra intense. But um, on the Seahawks side, you know, they have the tiebreaker um, with the 49ers, at least as of right now. You know, that could change with that last game. Although I guess they probably wouldn't need the tiebreaker if uh, if they both do what they should and uh, win out. Uh, I think something really funny this past week that I noticed, Ru Russell Wilson's motivational talks I don't know if you guys caught any of this mic'd up from last week and like I think Russell Wilson seems like a great dude like a absolutely genuinely great person a uh, great family guy uh, probably does so much in the community but he's lame as shit <laughs> he is so lame 
Oh my god. The dude is like saying like old like sports movies lines. Like we we got to do it. Let's stick together. Stick together like a t- like he's just saying stuff like that over and over again to this team. I I know he's he's had the problem with the defense turning on him before and this is obviously not any type of situation like that and it was a money thing and it was reasonable when they did it. But uh I can imagine if you're frustrated with your quarterback as uh, Richard Sherman or, uh, you know, somebody else in the Legion of Boom. And on top of them being, you know, in your opinion, overpaid, they're also continuously walking up and down by you going, let's get this, boys. We're the better team out there. Stuff like that. I, I really need to find some of this, some of these quotes because it, it, I'm not doing it justice. He also was like abstinent, re-abstinent, or what, what do they call that when, when people find who they're going to marry and they decide to not have sex until marry until they're married, but they previously had sex. I forget what that's called, but he did that with his like supermodel girlfriend. Not that that's, I mean, it's kind of lame, but it's not super lame. The, uh, the captions are super lame. All right, well, that was as, uh, as far as I'm looking for it. I can't find it. Yeah, no, I got nothing. But uh, it was hilarious, and I, go- I, I, I suggest you guys look up Russell Wilson mic'd up from last week. Um, big fan, of course, though, but I'm, I'm so excited to see. Uh, hopefully that Week 17 game comes down to it. Um, Russ finished off a tough game this past week against the, the Vikings. Um, they, they had it in the bag, and then the defense started to let up some points. Russ was right there, ready to finish him off, put him in the body bag. Um, and the Rams, man, that division, man, I feel bad for the Rams. They make that Jalen Ramsey move. Here's the kicker, though. They don't have a first round pick until 2022. That's so bad. So bad. I I, I just I, I don't think people realize how big of it. The NBA doesn't even let that go on because teams do shit like this and then they're you know they're gutted you can't afford to keep a team going when you don't have those first round picks you need that high-end talent for minimal money it's the only way you can afford to pay your better players your better veterans and still maintain a good team um so my uh estimation for the rams is they'll play another decent season next year and then they will be terrible until Probably till they redo quarterback situation. I, I have to say, I'm still a big Sean McVay guy. I'm a big fan. I do really like him. I know he gets some some trash, but uh, and and he obviously hasn't performed this season, but or not performed, but been able to uh, you know coach his team to 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 a division chance even. But I do think that he is. Uh, it would be foolish to move on from him at least right now. The Saints, Saints are doing everything. Um, they're all over the place. Taysom Hill is a freak. I don't even know what to say about that whole situation. Taysom Hill, very, very intrigued. It seems like it should be a uh, a Bill Belichick move. Sean Payton, really. I think Sean Payton is is in his his late career. Although he's still a relatively young guy, this is his his second push as as you know. I, I'm one of the best coaches in this league, or the best coach in this league. Not that anybody thinks it's not you know, Belichick, but Sean Payton's putting himself up there in that, in that, that, uh, not that he hasn't always been, but 
I think he's really solidified himself as, you know, one of the greater coaches of this era with what he's done. I, anytime I see somebody do something like that, you know, with Taysom Hill, where they're willing to take that risk and just, you know, be innovative, because you don't see it that often. Andy Reid and Bill Belichick do it in subtle ways. They do it in um, schemes and stuff like that. But to just throw a, a utility player out on the field is a ballsy move, and it's not like this is the first season they did it. He's, he's eased in, but I just think it goes to show his trust in his players and Sean Payton, his ability to find use for talent no matter what, and you know his his uh just his his, his overall just win at all costs we'll figure it out we'll let's surprise him he he has that attitude too i mean he, there was the whole um bounty gate thing that he was you know i'm almost saying it as a positive which i feel dirty saying it but there is a a trait that came with the bounty gate stuff of him being a a, a killer i say it in a good way um just in the way that you know win at all costs that's what we're gonna do and he's really living it up to it in ethical ways now with uh just getting these guys out there and uh i think it's something we need to see more of in the nfl because you see guys like cam newton not be able to get used um and i'm sure i know some of that is on cam newton you know not playing well but there is no reason we should be talking about Cam Newton being traded from a team at whatever age he is. Um, it's just not realistic. It's 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 the NFL very stuck in its ways. And the NFL is, you know, you hear the complaints about baseball. Baseball is probably the worst. But the NFL, man, with the, the it's got to be done this way. Coaches, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but just kind of spitballing. Many of the coaches are sons of former coaches who did it one way, and I don't know if that has something to do with it, but the lack of innovation by a lot of coaches, I think, is 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 odd. Um, it's something that doesn't seem as though it should get a pass. It doesn't seem as though teams should be able to win like that, but they always have, and there are very... What we've seen with Lamar Jackson and that offense is so innovative, and what we're seeing with Taysom Hill is so innovative. And what we see with Bill Belichick, the way he runs his offense, was so innovative. And, you know, I hate to say it, Chip Kelly, so innovative. Terrible. The only terrible one of those people, but so innovative. And, you know, one of those four guys crashed and burned. And I'm sure the percentage of you crashing and burning when you try to pull some shit like that is you know, considerably higher than 25%, and I'm not thinking of other guys who have tried stuff and been fired, but it's stuff that needs, like, the game is going to continue to evolve, and if only a couple of these coaches are willing to evolve with it, then there's going to they're gonna be, you know, the Bill Belich. The guys that have been the longest-running coaches in the league, you know, Sands, Jason Garrett. Jim Harbaugh's been in the league for forever. He had it down. He couldn't get Joe Flacco to work. So we brought in this, you know, anomaly in Lamar Jackson. And he built the offense around him. Um, it was, you know, the same guy. I, I've brought this up before, but the same guy did the same thing to Kaepernick in San Francisco. He was able to bring Kaepernick, who, you know, I, I personally think is a pretty good QB. But he wasn't, you know, he was not a, a, a top-tier QB by any means. And he brought him to a Super Bowl with, 
you know, being able to innovate and not play a pocket pass West Coast offense. So that's just my rant on that. Um, I love what Sean Payton's doing over there. Um, and I wish more coaches would take that risk and, uh, you know, maybe there's different types of it too. I don't mean, you know, playing players in positions that they don't actually play or, you know, utility players, but just not running the same offenses that, you know, the 25, at least other teams run. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why that's something that we haven't seen more innovation You'd think that would happen more naturally is kind of what I'm saying. But very, very stuck in their ways. And uh, hopefully we see more of it, you know. Uh, Deshaun Watson's a guy down in the Texans that, I mean, he's great in my opinion. And he's a little bit of a median there because I do think that he is used relatively well. But there's no reason for a guy like that you can't use his mobility as a weapon. And he uses his mobility as a weapon, but, and I understand you got to keep your guys healthy, but in this day and age, I really do think that you can't have that on your team and not use it as a main point in your offense, Um, especially when you have a guy that talented. So I'm done with that, but I just wanted to kind of talk about that. Um, I really don't have too much to talk about. I feel like I've been going for quite a while. Uh, Maybe not, though. How long are we at? I don't even know. 45 minutes. All right. A little bit longer. A little bit longer then. Um, so the Patriots, um, a little bit of a worry is worrisome right now with them. I mean, they're obviously way ahead in their trash-ass division. But uh, I've noticed everyone is getting into that uh, that, that yearly, the, the, the now annual false sense of security people like to take in uh, Tom Brady's age, starting with a four. Um, even though he's shown us no signs of you know aging, other than, as I just said, the yearly middle of the season, a uh, little drought where he doesn't look his uh, as keen as usual. But uh, you know, I uh, I warn everyone to not be comforted by that. Uh, Tom Brady is not done. Tom Brady will probably play until we're all dead, uh, and I'm 20 years younger than him. But that's all I have to say about them. You you know you know the deal with the Patriots. They're good. They're gonna make the playoffs. It's like to, they won't be the one seed though, baby. We got the uh, the Ravens storming storming through this this season, um, beating you know arguably the best team in the league in the 49ers. Uh, it was a it was a crap weather game too. You know, so it was uh, it was uh, gridlocked at seventeen seventeen all through the fourth quarter really and. Uh, they were in, able to finish it off, but uh, it was the crappy weather, as I said. Uh, I'll be looking forward to, hopefully, I mean, not looking forward to, but it's a possible Super Bowl matchup. Seeing them in some some better weather would be uh, a sight to be seen. I, I really wish the, the rain didn't didn't dampen that party, but, uh, you know, they, they still came to play. It was still a great game. They don't have uh, – the Ravens have the Bills this week. Um, they have the tiebreaker with the Pats for seeding also. So, you know, they got the Bills this week is a little bit of a tough game. You know, the Bills are nine and three, as I said. Um, really happy to see that. And uh, then they got the Jets, Browns, Steelers. So that's three wins right there. So, you know, let's say at worst they lose to the Bills this week. 
and they they go into the playoffs thirteen and three with the tiebreaker with the Pats. I don't know who the Pats have to play, but I'm sure nobody. I'm sure it's all division games. Oh, oh, do they play the Bengals also? I feel like uh, they got the Chiefs this week. That's a tough one. And they got the Bills, who, as I said, are, are tough. But they also have the Bengals and the Dolphins. So both both teams got to play the Bills. And the Patriots have one extra tough game in Kansas City. That'll be a fun one to watch, 4.30 this Sunday. But, uh, yeah, that race for the one seed in the AFC, it's, it's, it's coming down to it. You know, we got a lot of good races shaping up here, guys. This is going to be quite the ending of the season. All right, guys. I think that's all I got for you. I'm 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 out of out of the uh, the rhythm of doing all this. It's been it's been too long, but um, it's been solid. I hope you guys enjoyed. I um, will be back next week. Hopefully, we'll finish. A, barring me, uh, you know, failing any of my classes temporarily. So hopefully, hopefully, we'll be back next week, and. Um, you know, as always, follow what was I talking about on Twitter at WWITAP. Follow me at MCWNate. Um, I don't know, guys. Uh, enjoy, enjoy the uh, football this week. Go Flyers. I just bought a passport, Benny in a Jets. I just got a bag, dog, running up a check. Cause I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna. Flex. Yeah, uh, come here, brother. Have you ever seen red wallows with an Air Max bubble? And it's still like come with the grip with the Venus color. Tomato dot a cover the eyes. If not, I'll catch ya. Forbes, got young bitches blowing my cover. He's the black time selling. I've been dying to fuck ya. Them Caribbean seminars, he flashes like Bet you get hit with the best shot like Pat Benatar The Oscar winning this collar is knitted with linen His jeans, you can consider it illiterate dental Fish tank so big, even the babies can swim in Rocking a toddler, four-finger lace with ridiculous Egyptian and Benjamin stuck together like boxes of enemies Been in the boat since 88 with the tape of Rakim in them I got that music here I can't leave a chick crib without them trying to keep me as a souvenir Flex Headed for success. I just bought a passport, Benny in the Jets. I just got the bag, y'all running up a check. Cause I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna flex. Headed for success. I just bought a passport, Benny in the Jets. I just got a bag, y'all running up a check. Cause I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna flex.